0: Good morning, everybody. Brett asked me to uh, read for you all today, and uh, we're on page 926 of the Pew Bibles, if you want to follow along. Chapter 17 of the book of Acts. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So, that passage that Andy just
1: told, just read for us, uh, there in Acts chapter 17, it tells us that Paul and Silas and We also learn later in the letter of 1 Thessalonians that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and probably some others, they went to Thessalonica and they were there for three weeks. They walked to Thessalonica. It was a hundred mile journey, and they walked, they walked a hundred miles to Thessalonica after being in Philippi, after being beaten and imprisoned, and as Paul says, shamefully treated. In Philippi, they walked there. Verse two says that for three Sabbath days—that is, three weeks—Paul reasoned with them from Scripture, and then they were run out of town. I love the way Luke puts it there. They gathered up some of the rabble. He doesn't have—they had rabble in their town. We have. How many of you are rabble? I don't know. Anyway. They, they had rabble in Thessalonica and they gathered up the rabble and they ran them out of town they they created a mob from the rabble and and they were gone three weeks three weeks what good did they do what difference did they make did they establish anything in three weeks well that that seems to have been weighing heavy on Paul's mind we're going to look ahead in in the letter of first thessalonians or first thessalonians chapter 2 is where we're going to be it's it's on page 986 in those Bibles. Um, that seems to have been weighing what was on, heavily on, on Paul's mind. That's the impression we get from this letter. 1 Thessalonians is possibly, possibly the first letter that Paul wrote. Very, very early letter. It was written just a few months. Maybe six months after the events that that uh, Andy just read, read to us about. Paul, Paul missed these people. He... He really missed them. He was heartsick about how he left them. And Paul was concerned, wondering whether or not he did any good when he was there in Thessalonica. Did he make any difference? Are they still holding faithful? His question is, is there even still a church in this town where, we've, where we spent three weeks? What difference did three weeks make? And so with that concern, Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica just a, just a few months later to find out if there was any faith left. We're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 17, as Paul begins with Timothy's report. He says, but since we were torn away from you, you hear that word? Torn away from you, brothers, for a short time. In person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? You are our glory. You are our joy. Therefore, he says in verse 1 of chapter 3, therefore, when when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the Gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. Three weeks. Three weeks and a a church was established. And here it is just a few months after that. And what is Timothy's report about these people that Paul only got to spend three weeks with? Timothy's report is, and according to verse 6, Timothy has brought us the good news of your faith and love. Faith and love. Three weeks. Three weeks with them had changed their lives. Three weeks with them had changed their eternities. And I read that, and I'm amazed. And I wonder, where do we find ourselves today? And where could we find ourselves in three weeks if we gave ourselves to faith and love? What are the possibilities? Sometimes we get discouraged. And a big reason why we get discouraged is because we think, well, I don't know enough yet. I've not been a Christian very long. I've not, I've not learned enough. I don't know enough. I've not been around long enough. And, and we think we're not qualified. We're not qualified to serve. We're not qualified to lead. We're not qualified to be a part because we are very aware of what we are not. But let me ask you this. It's a quick little survey. How many of you have been a Christian longer than three weeks? Longer than three weeks? Look at that. If we were in Thessalonica, you could be an elder. (laughs) You could be a deacon. we were in Thessalonica, you could pass out programs. You could could be a greeter. You could do all those things because that's how long they had all been in the faith. That's how long they had all been uh, Christians. What are the possibilities? Rather than concentrate on what we lack, Rather than concentrate on what we are not, what if we did like Paul and put our focus on what we have? Despite our experiences, despite our lack of experiences, what if we put our concentration on what we have? What Paul saw in the church in Thessalonica is what I see in so many of you here. And that is that you have a faith that stands fast. Acts says that Paul spent... Three Sabbaths, three weeks, reasoning with the people. Now that was specifically to the Jews. Just to be completely clear on this, he may have spent may have spent a little more time among the Gentiles. The, the Scripture's not completely clear, but it may have been a little longer than three weeks altogether. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, When we were among you, we worked night and day so that we would not be a burden to you. Being an apostle, being a preacher, that was, that was Paul's advocation. advocation. That, was, that was what he did. But what was his vocation? What was his job? Paul was a tent maker. That was what he did for a living. When Paul had to earn money, he made tents. And Paul says that for that time that we were there in Thessalonica, we worked, and he's talking about tent making. He did his job. And he says we worked night and day to not be a burden to you. This was not a job where you punched in at 9 and you went home at 5. They didn't have the 40-hour work week yet. They worked night and day all the time. And I think about that, and I think how much time did Paul really have to teach these people? How much time did he have to spend with these people? And that seems to be his concern. Did I do enough? That's what Paul seems to be saying. Did I do enough? Did I teach enough? Did I live with them enough? But the key seems to have been not what they heard from Paul, but what they saw in Paul. They saw how his faith was lived out. They saw his faith motivating him to work and motivating him to serve. They saw his faith in spite of the persecutions, the trials and troubles that he had suffered and that he would continue to suffer. They they saw a faith that would stand fast. So when Timothy returns with his report, what is he able to tell Paul? He says in Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us again as we long to see you. He told Paul about their faith and their love. They got it. And it wasn't just that they were taught faith and love. It wasn't just that they were taught it. They caught it. From Paul. They saw Paul's example. They saw the example of this man who walked a 100 miles beaten, bruised, still hurting from Philippi. Walked a 100 miles to come to them and to preach to them. They saw the faith of, of this preacher. They saw him preaching and putting himself to work. He served them. He blessed them. His life displayed the truth of his faith. And so Paul's response to Timothy's report is there in verse 8. And I find it to be one of the central verses of this this little letter. Verse 8, Paul says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For now we live if you are standing fast. What does that mean? What does he mean, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord? Prior to this, Paul was distressed he says in verse 7 that he was distressed back in chapter 2 verse 17 he says we were torn away from you You, do you hear the anguish in that we were torn away from you he missed them he didn't know how they were doing I hate to use this word but Paul Paul was worried about the Thessalonians now he hadn't got around to writing Philippians chapter 4 where it says do not worry about anything He hadn't gotten around to writing that yet, so he didn't know he wasn't supposed to do that. But, he was worried about them. He was worried that that they didn't get it, that they weren't still being faithful. But now that he's received this report, the weight is lifted. He's not spending all of his energy worrying and wondering and fretting about them. And he says, we are able to live now. You ever had those moments when suddenly a big weight is lifted? You know, you get that call from the doctor and everything looks good. Or you get that call from a friend who's been traveling and you haven't heard from him for a while and you're concerned and they call and say, I made it home fine. And suddenly what? You know, the, the weight is lifted. When the kid finally comes home on Saturday night, you know, and, and you know, they walk in the door, you know, finally you can breathe again. The weight has been lifted. That's what Paul is feeling. He says we can live now because you stand firm. We can finally breathe because we know that You are standing fast in Your faith. I can relate to that. I can relate to that because that's, that's how I feel about you guys in so much of the faith that I see in your lives. And I, I know it's hard for you to see in those, in those moments, in the midst of the, of the mess, but, but I notice when you're standing Fast. I notice when you stick with it. I notice when despite the tough times, when you stand fast, when things happen that previously would have devastated you. And you stand fast on what you believe. You stand fast and you trust, even in the midst of those horrible times, you trust God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I notice that. And it's in those moments that the realization hits me, wow, they get it. They, they understand. They, they have what it takes. They're going to make it through any trouble that comes their way. Now, are all of us there? No, we're, we're not all there yet. We don't all get there at the same time. And that's why Paul not only looked to faith that stood fast, but why Paul and why all of us also look to a love that abounds for others. What did what did Paul teach them while he was there? What what on earth could he have spent those 3 weeks teaching them? Well, in, in the passage that Andy read for us in Acts chapter 17 verse 3, it says that he spent that time explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead and saying this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. You know, it, it sounds a little bit, just a little bit like John three sixteen, you remember John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. He gave. Paul says that that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. God gave His one and only Son. That whoever would believe in Him, believe in Him. Paul teaches the Thessalonica people in Thessalonia. Thessalonica. He teaches them that this Christ, this Jesus, I'm preaching to you. He is the Christ. Anyone who believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. He preached Christ to them and. And in preaching Christ, he preached love. There's only five chapters in this little letter. Five chapters. And yet, seven times in those five chapters, Paul uses the word love. And in the next letter, which was sent, 2 Thessalonians was sent just a few months later, four times in that letter, he uses the word love. How important was love in Paul's message to them? How important was love in what he wrote to them? And here, what is it that restored his hope for the Thessalonian church? Again, verse 6 Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. Do you remember what Jesus said when Jesus was asked, What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest command? Jesus said, The greatest command is this love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And he said, The second one is like it love your neighbor as yourself. Right? First and second greatest commands of all love the Lord love your neighbor here in Thessalonica Paul couldn't see what was going on he couldn't know what was happening in that community and in that church he couldn't be sure he had done any good in that community but as soon as he finds out that they have love for each other whew, he can breathe again he can live again just a few verses later Paul prays for them and it's a It's a great prayer. And a little later, we're going to pray this prayer together. But in verse 12, he prays for them and he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And I love that last part. As we do. As we abound in love for you. One of the greatest gifts that you can give to another person is to show them how to really love someone else. One of the greatest gifts you can, do, you can give someone is to show them how a Christian loves, how a Christian cares for someone. Give them something concrete like generous buckets. Give them something they can do. Give them something they can see. Give them real examples of love, nurturing and blessing. Help those whose faith isn't standing fast. Give them someone they can lean on. God always blesses that. God always blesses you when you do that. God always blesses the other person when you do that. God blesses the whole body when we do that. God blesses the whole community when we do that. There are those among us who don't have that stand-fast kind of faith yet. But the beautiful thing is that doesn't disqualify them. Instead, when we don't have that stand-fast kind of faith on our own, that's where love abounds. You care for them. You nurture them. You encourage them. You bless them through those difficult times. That's what a church does that's what faith and love do when they work together so so is that it is that all there is to being a church is that is that all that we've got to do could we get this all done in a three week crash course one day a week every every Saturday meeting with Paul when he's not making tents could we get that is that all there is to it well no you know what faith and love is faith and love is a great place to start. Again, Paul, Paul was there three weeks, and during that three weeks, he worked full time. He worked six days a week making tents. How could he possibly cover everything? You know, can you imagine these people after a couple of weeks of meeting together with him and hearing about Jesus, and maybe they're thinking, you know, Paul, this this Jesus stuff is great. Um, do you have any books that you could leave us? So that we could read about him some more, and Paul would have to say, "Well, uh, no, they haven't been written yet. Um, We're going to get around to it. You know, give us a few years. We'll get around to writing. I'm I'm planning on writing several myself. You know, and and, and you know, but we'll, we'll get around to it. Well, Paul, can you tell us? Can you tell us how we ought to organize ourselves? Uh, faith and love, just faith and love. Well, can can you tell us how we ought to? How should we elect elders? <laughs> faith and love." What about deacons? You know, the weird thing is, if this is Paul's first letter, Paul doesn't mention deacons at all until his last two letters. He doesn't even bring it up until years later, maybe 40 years later. What do we do about that? Well, just faith and love. Well, when we, when we make communion, should we make enough for everybody? We're just faith and love. Well, how long do I have to be a Christian before I can be a greeter? Faith and love. That's it. That's the answer over and over again. Who's qualified to teach Sunday school? Who who can be a greeter? Who can do these things? Paul, do you think Paul was concerned about, about those things? No. What did he look for? Faith and love. That's what he's looking for. Well, well, isn't there more to it than that? Isn't there more to what we believe than faith and love? Absolutely. There's more to it. In fact, later on, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy we feel for your sake before our God. And Paul says in verse 10, and as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. In other words, that we may get to come back to you, okay? That we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul was looking forward to the day he could return to Thessalonica and teach them and supply what was lacking in their faith. And there was a lot lacking in their faith. You may not be able to relate to this because you've been a Christian longer than three weeks. But, can you believe this? They were very confused about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? After three weeks, they hadn't figured it all out? They were really confused about the second coming. I mean, 2,000 years later, we've got it all down, right? We know exactly. We've got I've got an app on my watch. 2,000 years later, we're no closer to figuring it out than they were. Paul says that they haven't got this stuff figured out yet, but he says don't worry about it. We'll come back and we'll talk about that some more. We get hung up on what we don't know. We get hung up on what we don't understand. We get hung up on who we are and who we aren't. And we are very aware of our sin. And we are very aware of our failings. We are very aware that so many times we don't measure up. And that's why at the, end of the, at the end of this passage, Paul prays, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Why? Why increase and abound in love? So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, so that he may establish your hearts. So you may put your hearts on a firm, unshakable foundation, blameless in holiness. Holiness may seem like the furthest thing from you right now, and you know what? That's okay. Holiness may seem like the furthest thing from you. That's okay, because the love that we have for each other will help us get there, will help establish us. Hold on to that love. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to each other. The truth is, there's a lot of of heavy stuff in the Bible. And we have to work through some of it. This summer, we're going to do that. This summer, we're going to work through some of the tough stuff. We're going to stretch ourselves a bit. But all that heavy stuff, none of it means anything. None of it means anything without faith and love. Later on in this letter, in chapter 5, verse 8, Paul's encouraging the people there in Thessalonica and he's encouraging us. And he says, put on faith and love as a breastplate. Put on faith and love as a breastplate. What does a breastplate do? What does it protect? It protects your heart. Right. He's mentioned here that faith and love establish your hearts, right? Establish your hearts in faith. Faith and love. Put on faith and love as a breastplate. It protects your heart. It protects your... Your vital organs. That's what faith and love does. You notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say put on the church bylaws as a breastplate. He doesn't say put on church policy as a breastplate. Put on a dress code as a be- as a breastplate. He doesn't say put on you know put on this as a breastplate or, or that as a breastplate. put on the, your view of the end times as a as a breastplate. No, because none of those things do for us what faith. And love do for us. They protect us. They strengthen us. Paul says that faith and love is what let him, whew, what lets him really live. So stand fast. Stand fast in your faith. Abound in your love. I look at the struggles that that we have today, and, and we have a lot of struggles. Some of you are some of you are struggling with physical health. Some of you are struggling with with physical problems. Others of you are, de- are struggling with depression. Some of you are struggling with doubts and you're really not sure what you believe or, or if you even really believe. And I would tell you with Paul, stand fast. Stand fast in what you know. Stand fast in that love. and Let God do the rest. I look at who we are as a church. I look at the things that we do for each other and we do with each other, the things we do for our community. The way that we bless those who are hurting, and, and I know there's so much more that we could do. What would happen if we continued to abound in love for each other and, and inspired that same kind of love in other people's? You know, and in, in three weeks, in three weeks, this church in Thessalonica went from being a bunch of people who didn't get along with each other. I mean, there were Jews and there were Greeks. They weren't supposed to eat together. They weren't supposed to go to each other's houses, and they were sharing meals, they were sharing worship time together. In three weeks, they went from this group of people that should not have gotten along. All of a sudden, they were standing fast together in faith. And their love for one another was abounding. It's not just about the differences we make in our own lives. It's about the differences we make in other people's lives. When we start to view people through the lens of faith and love, when that becomes a breastplate, when that's what protects us one-on-one and together, What happens when we start to view people with the amazing possibilities of faith and love? We're going to take just a moment. I want to show you a video and I want you to see what might happen when we start viewing one another with faith and love. Your history does not determine your destiny. Who you have been is not who you will be. Where you have been is not where you will go and what you have done is not what you will do. What makes the difference? Faith and love. That breastplate. Faith and love. Faith that stands fast and stands together. And love that abounds for one another. Our commitment to Jesus is seen in how we stand fast, how we stand together, how we stand for each other. So we're going to spend the next few weeks in First Thessalonians. It's going to be longer than three weeks, but not much longer we we'll spent a few weeks in First Thessalonians looking at how to, how to stand fast, how to give our attention to those things that will really make a difference, those things that form the breastplate in our existence. And I want to encourage you, take some time. It won't take you long. Even if you're a slow reader like me, you can make it through First Thessalonians in just a few minutes, 10 minutes tops, maybe 15. You can make it through that letter. Read it. Read it a couple of times. Read it. Read through it once a week or so for the next few weeks. It's very short. It will take no time at all. Timothy comes back to Paul with this report and this report that changes everything about Paul. He says, I can breathe again. I can live again because of, the, of Timothy's good report. And he wraps up this section with a prayer. It's a prayer specifically for the Thessalonian believers. But as we start this journey together, it's also a prayer for us. So, I'd like to ask you to stand together with me. We're going to put the words up on the screens. I just ask you to read that together and we'll pray these words together. Let's pray them. Now, may may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to You. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. Amen. Let's pray. Father, so much of our faith and so much of what we believe sometimes just seems like such a, so complicated. We make it worse, Father. Forgive us for those times when we've made it so complicated. And so for right now, Lord, we want to simplify and we want to just simply come back to the to the center, come back to the the one thing that we can stand fast on, faith. The one thing that will gather us together and that will cause us to help each other stand fast, and that is love that abounds. So Lord, in, the, in this day and in the coming weeks, as we simply come to You seeking that, that very, very simple faith, I pray, Father, for opportunities to stand together, opportunities to support one another, to lift one another, to show one another truly how to love, Father, ultimately that we could point people to Your Son Jesus who loved us in the most perfect way through His death on the cross. Thank You for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.